Was this the best full week of WWE in years? Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is LOP Radio on YouTube, or Imp's LOP Radio Adventure if you are listening in podcast form. If you head over to Spreaker, you can check out all our other shows here on LOP Radio. I'll give a, a run through them at the end, just don't want to blast through too much. And happy Thanksgiving to our LOP Radio American listeners, who are now probably very, very fat by the time this <laughs> this show goes up, which will be about midnight I guess so I think that's 8 p.m. Uh, America time so you'll all be stuffed and full I mean, a num, num, num. but also to kind of just take you down whilst you're trying to digest all this food it's the LP Radio Thanksgiving special uh, I've been doing I've had the Thursday slot now for three years I started in November 2016 so this is the kind of like anniversary as way well for the show as well yeah it's not quite accurate enough but it's Close enough. <laughs> I can normally do it on Thanksgiving. When that first happened, we thought, oh, it's Thanksgiving. No one will listen. And then we got, like, our second highest listening figure of the year. I was like, oh, maybe we should continue doing shows on Thanksgiving. So every year since, it's kind of been a mixture of being thankful for everything. And the fact we started in November, just kind of push it back a few weeks and kind of use Thanksgiving as the celebration for... Yeah, thank you for uh, me having the Thursday slot. It was me and Burn originally. Also, just really thankful for the fact I've got this slot and now I'm involved in way more stuff than when we started. Uh, I was just writing in the columns for him and then had this and that was it back then. So a lot of stuff has happened since then. That's my Thanksgiving thankful thing. But the topic of this week... Is going to be really positive, and as you can tell as well, uh, we're not live this week. It's uh, very, very busy, and as it's Thanksgiving anyway, I'm assuming lots of people are also quite busy, so it's not out of the ordinary for you to be getting a recorded Thanksgiving special rather than going out live. It does mean I might be able to edit it and stuff. It also means I'll be in a slightly higher, higher quality than you're probably used to, and that also means because I'm in a temporary setup, my voice might echo a little bit more. I'm very aware of this. I've put stuff up. I don't think it's going to do that much, <laughs> but I've tried to kind of soften my voice a little bit. I can here whilst I'm speaking it's still really echoey but I'll be doing my the best anyway the topic today was this WWE's best full week in years so I mean from the I guess first episode of what they would count as the week all the way to the final one every single episode hit an amazing amount of consistency which especially is a lot more difficult now that they've got NXT added to the occasion as well and Smackdown has moved to Fridays suddenly it's like a full week if you start with Smackdown on a Friday and end of NXT you've got a quite a big time and of course there's TakeOver as well so when I say a full week they have had five shows there was time for the ball to be dropped and they haven't I loved all five shows especially if you read my columns every single week because every single Saturday I'm posting on lawsofpain.net about the I guess the week that's just gone by uh, Imp's wrestling adventure and I talk about the four shows on mainstream American television that have aired and I'll go through them and kind of you talk about them a little bit it's like 4,000 words long so I go into it in a little bit of detail but if you read those columns you'll be kind of following that I've not really enjoyed Smackdown I've come very close to just thinking this is not the kind of wrestling I enjoy and if I'm reviewing it it's just going to be negative every week and uh, someone once kind of whilst I was kind of learning how to write someone gave me advice that the way you write attracts the type of commenters you'll get 
So if you write negatively, you will get that type of commenter. That kind of atmosphere will surround your work, which is the case. As, as much as I love Tito, especially as a writer, that's exactly what's happened with Tito. You write negatively, you attract that sort of customer. I don't want to attract that sort of customer, even if it gets you much better clicks and views initially if you're able to catch like that. I feel like Tim Rose is another writer. He's a really good example of attracting like that positive kind of feeling whenever he, dro- whenever he drops a column. He, he's managed to somehow get that special thing where we're, because he's busy with the news nowadays with uh, Laws of Bane whenever a column kind of drops and it's about well, whatever topic it is it's fun and it's silly and he just it's an enjoyable read. Mine I'm somewhere in the middle I'm trying to be critical but I also don't want to be I don't want to be too negative so I try to keep it positive. But so that's why I was thinking maybe I should drop Smackdown but th- no this past week I enjoyed it and it showed it can happen. <laughs> it's not a what. It's not a random thing where it's like, it's like, oh, maybe SmackDown has this built and built over time. It's given me an example that I could never enjoy it. No, because I enjoyed it this week, and that's kind of what I, this show on Thanksgiving. I was thinking, well, people in America be talking about how thankful they are for everything, and I was just thinking, what if I do a positive show? Not really criticizing any, especially because it's WWE. Like whenever I've done a positive show in the past, it's mostly because it's been AEW who are like way too young to have really made any major missteps. It's just like minor ones which if they take on the advice they could easily build from it this week was a interesting example of both doing it and not doing it at the same time <laughs> so we'll see where that goes yeah in terms of wwe they've had that massive track record where there is an example of a product and you can assess whether it's your kind of thing or not nxt 100 my thing i absolutely love nxt as i'm saying i love AEW as well monday night raw has kind of shifted and same with smackdown SmackDown 2016, after the brand split, I absolutely loved it, all the way to WrestleMania, then 2017 something happened, and I really struggled since. Monday Night Raw, I genuinely enjoyed it, but the Roman Reigns kind of feeling that clouded the product at that time as well, that it did it did hurt my enjoyment of the show, and there was a starting of that little bit of trying stuff out if, and things not sticking. That aura was kind of starting, it slowly brewed, it wasn't something that randomly happened in 2019, it was slowly brewing when certain, it's always Roman Reigns where things just weren't quite happening so they moved on to the next idea, and the next idea, and that way of writing somehow over time kind of slipped into the other parts of the product. I'm not saying it it destroyed everything. It just seeped in, and then 2019 was like just the breaking point. <laughs> the kind of Corbin era at the end of 2018 was like it was kind of like it was building and building, and the fan animosity kind of hit a point where ratings just tanked, and then that's properly where it's already that issue of trying to throwing crap at the wall, seeing what sticks. That issue had sunk into the kind of workings of WWE, and when that happened, suddenly from like December all the way until I guess August for SummerSlam it was a lot of nonsense and a lot of overthinking it and things even the, the amazing Becky Lynch build were like they had the uh, kind of them in December saying we're going to do better and then he had the random NXT call-ups then he had the next wave of random NXT call-ups which they also didn't really know what to do with <laughs> it's just like a lot of random stuff was happening even though there were good things in there and that's kind of the message I want to kind of bring forward here even though I've been really critical of WWE in this past year Coming into Thanksgiving, I'm feeling pretty positive. I know it's only been one week, but the point is it's been a whole week. It's not just been, oh, I enjoyed SmackDown, oh, I enjoyed Raw. I also enjoyed NXT, I also enjoyed NXT TakeOver, and most importantly, Survivor Series. Because that was quite a measuring stick, and I've known a few people, uh, Sir Sam, who I was uh, talking to earlier because I've booked him to come back on the show. <laughs> I'm going uh, Wrestle Kingdom crazy in December. But... With um, like Survivor Series drew, drew him back in, and he's not watched in quite some time. So I know the success of Survivor Series has reached quite a few people, which is that's really great to see. 
it's still uh, like the biggest issue I see for a lot of people is the Brock Lesnar thing. And if Brock Lesnar is your personal kind of turn off with WWE, he's doing still doing Brock Lesnar things. Of course, he's not on the show most weeks, but of course, the Brock Lesnar cloud because he's got the World Heavyweight Championship, whatever it's called. Uh, you know, is he? Is he got the? No, he's got the championship, hasn't he? It's very why it's got Universal. Yeah, so uh, Brock Lesnar has the championship, so his his presence, his cloud, is over the top of Monday Night Raw again. So that's still not moved on in five years. You can see where's a bit of an issue, but the world around on Monday Night Raw is building really nicely. But yeah, with WWE, I do have a kind of I have a biggest issue after the Saudi Arabia shows. And it takes me a little while to kind of... Because I don't want to be questioning my morality choices whilst I'm watching a wrestling product. I just want to turn my brain off. And every time the Saudi Arabia shows happen, I'm... A lot of people, it's not an issue. But you're still having to answer the question. And personally, I feel like you should never be asked the question. Why are we having to think about this? You're already kind of taking a massive gamble by running that way. Uh, and every single time it happens, that is kind of the point where I either do stop watching or I question it and come really close this time I've got the column, this time I've got this, and I was kind of building up with the kind of getting into the YouTube side as well, just getting all that little things. So I am invested in wrestling right now, and that's really what's kept my health line. AEW, they're one of the big reasons that I continued watching WWE as well, because they're part of the column. And overall, I'm enjoying writing the column, even if SmackDown really isn't my cup of tea. But this past week, we <laughs> the point I'm trying to get to, this past week, SmackDown was really, really good. It had like a simple basic job of carry the momentum from NXT. Just carry it through and make sure everybody's nice and excited and set up for Survivor Series. And it carried that momentum from the excitement which NXT had built a couple of days prior. And it did a perfect job of setting us up ready for, uh, for Sunday. Because NXT was like full of energy and excitement after Monday Night Raw that for me really wasn't. I don't care about Rusev, Lana, Lashley stuff. I kind of stopped watching it kind of thing. So... My Monday Night Raw, I can't really criticise the storyline anymore because I went, this just so isn't for me. There's no point in me even watching it to critique it because I know I won't like it, so I'm just not going to watch it. So My Monday Night Raw doesn't have those segments. So it's like they've been cut by Hulu. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, we have three Smackdown this past week. They carried that momentum from NXT really well, especially with Rhea Ripley. They set her up for the weekend incredibly uh, Keith Lee was done a lot more subtly where he just did cool spots <laughs> and he got his kind of walk around with Braun Strowman where they're both tensing their muscles going, yeah, you're also big and tall and strong. Yeah, we'll be big and tall and strong together. Yeah, that'll be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> so they did that little kind of teasing a showdown type of thing. And it just built the excitement really, really well. Again, I didn't feel like Raw did. I felt like NXT did really well. They incorporated people coming into that kind of fast-paced, chaotic style that really NXT started to hone as of late. Just like that. A ball of energy is how I describe NXT in the modern day. Really fun to watch. But SmackDown, that carried the momentum really, really well. I don't feel like it had that same level of energy excitement, but to be fair, that could just be the arena difference. Because NXT, the sound kind of... It feels more booming because it's a smaller arena compared to the open arena where the sound escapes a little bit more. But with uh, NXT's kind of interference and one of like Raw's of interference, it finally felt like with both NXT and SmackDown that they set up Survivor Series pretty well. It would have been a little bit, still personally, if they had more time to set this up. Because of course they've got the Saudi Arabia sh uh, show, then they've got the European tour. When were they going to realistically properly start to build with this? Like, there's a reason it happened really in the last two weeks to a good strong degree uh, which is it's a shame because I felt like the build with one more week with this level for the whole next week would have been fantastic but it also really worked to send you into the Survivor Series so can't really complain the episode for me absolutely flew by which has been my massive issue with Smackdown where 
I've just not enjoyed so such large chunks of it that I've really struggled to get through it in the past kind of few weeks where I'm just watching it thinking, all right, okay, I'm not calling this bad. I'm just saying it's not for me. But this show this past week showed that I can enjoy it and I am likely to still enjoy it. Maybe if it's like solid and it's full, full of energy like this was, it took notes from NXT. Mostly because NXT set stuff up, they had to carry it through. Otherwise it'd feel jarring and weird going into a pay-per-view. But they did it really well. And I went into Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver really, really positive. Because I enjoyed an episode of SmackDown, which hadn't really happened since the first one on Fox. Like, I'm not I'm not joking. It's been almost a two-month spell where I'd enjoyed one episode. And it was the first one. And every week since, just further and further down into... Uh, <laughs> so, uh, just thinking about... Uh, Ricky's advice from Ricky and Clive Joe when I was uh, talking about uh, like, I've got so much wrestling to watch I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in I was already struggling with NXT kind of falling behind he gave the advice of you probably don't need Smackdown him <laughs> so uh, it, that is the kind of question that goes in my head with Smackdown like in terms of personal enjoyment I know it's the my least favourite show of the week last week no, it wasn't. I genuinely enjoyed it. But I put it up there with NXT and AW from last week in that I enjoyed all three shows. I won't really rank one totally higher than the other because I enjoyed all of them for different things. Which is, yeah, it's so weird to go positively into the weekend and not only go into the weekend positively, but come out of it positively as well. Which leads me to take over war games. Like, uh, we've, so I myself have done LOP Radio Aftershock, which was, I was live immediately after Survivor Series. That is both still up on the YouTube channel and on Speak if you want to go listen to that. Uh, also available on like everything, like iTunes, iHeartRadio, something called Deezer, <laughs> some other things. Spotify even, like we're all available all over the place, wherever you can get your podcasts. I just thought I'd get that out there, because I never remember to properly do it, and if I do... One of the names of the places kind of catches my attention because it's weird. <laughs> and I do like a tangent on that. But no, you're meant to be quickly plugging. Moving back on. But yes, take it for war games. That I've, I think I talked it about a little bit. And of course, I'm on Thursday. So by the time you get to this point, you've heard a lot of talk about take over war games. So I'm not really going to go into it that much. But the women's war games match, I did just want to make the point that I didn't just enjoy that one. That was quite possibly the, my favourite war games match I have seen. Just end of. I enjoyed it so much, and I loved the kind of character development within it as well. The amazing heel turn by Dakota Kai, where it's vicious as hell, and Tegan Knox's screams. Well, just Nigel McGuinness bringing it up on this week's uh, NXT. It was just like, oh yes, it. You can still hear it when he said when he said he can still hear it. That I heard it. It was like yes, it was done that well. So that was uh, it was an amazing match, and Ray Ripley again. It's that second building block in her feeling like an absolute star in that she beat Shayna Baszler. And a lot of people in terms of looking at the NXT women's division, especially when they've had kind of recent exoduses of like Ember Moon and Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler's not really had proper contenders to take the belt away from her. Uh, I agreed that it probably did make sense to not have her lose the belt until you've definitely got that next person. Rhea Ripley is that next person. They've built her up so well, and Survivor Series slash War Games did that amazingly. But I just want to make, did want to make the note that I enjoyed the women's War Games match a hell of a lot. They're genuinely, my the favourite one I've ever seen, especially the best one NXT have done. I'd easily put it over the men's match from later in the night. A genuine joy. Uh, the middle of the show, I I did start to tune out a little bit, but that doesn't mean it was bad, if that makes sense. I am English. I was watching it at like 2am. <laughs> so I haven't gone back and watched it because I knew I also had the massive night of Survivor Series and being live immediately after it as well, going to bed at like 7am. So yeah, <laughs> like with uh, NXT TakeOver, it's kind of like sometimes 
if the middle isn't like, like exceptional or continuing the build really well and keeping that same energy, then I meant they do start to tune out because I know how much I've still got left. So it kind of happens. WrestleMania weekend's the same. But still, really enjoyable show. Absolutely blew by. I think it was two and a half hours, which is just perfect. It's like a bite-sized show. It's my biggest gripe with WWE pay-per-views when they were saying that they all needed to be four hours. That was a praise for this weekend. Both NXT TakeOver War Games, well, that was two and a half hours, and Survivor Series was three and a half. Even though it's just 30 minutes, like at the top of the third hour, that is when, like, as an Englishman watching it at, I think it was 3am at the time, my eyes are starting to go blurry by that point. And if I know I've got a minimum of another hour left, like it's really difficult to keep attention for that final hour. And you can hear it in the crowd as well. Like, even though uh, Survivor Series for me was a fun show that blasted by, you could hear people in the crowd by that final match, they were tired and the kind of pace of the match didn't really help with that, with that either. But they were t- visibly tired. <laughs> they watched like six hours worth of wrestling by that point. It's understandable that they would be in that position. It's the same as a viewer. By the time, like, that's why I don't watch the pre-shows or the kickoffs because I'm already, especially as somebody who's now doing the Aftershock shows, I'm already dedicating four hours for the main show and two for my own. If I add another two to that, I'm not dedicating eight hours. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is an insane amount of time. I've still got a life and things. <laughs> I've still got things to do. I can't be dedicating that amount of time realistically every single month, especially when I've got AEW and New Japan to cover as well. It's just not feasible. I'm not Dave Meltzer. I don't have a room full of paper and notes so I can keep up with everything. It's like, no, that's not kind of what I do. But I also want to mention the other War Games match, which was super fun. The response for Kevin Owens was amazing. <laughs> that was, I don't know why, in my head, I was like, if he ever did come back, I thought it'd be raucous, but also at full sale, so it would feel huge because of the small arena. But the fact they did it here was great. Uh, especially as I just wasn't predicting it. I was thinking, oh, it'll be Johnny Gargano. As in, somebody to kind of pop for, but not somebody super unexpected type of thing. But Kevin Owens was genuinely unexpected, but it also made sense. And Kevin Owens did a really good job after the fact. Uh, yes, sometimes I do criticise for WWE fixing things after the fact, which is a, a running trend where... Uh, that, that's the other part of the thing as well. With WWE are actually quite good at fixing something after the fact. The question is, that can't be your method of booking. <laughs> and if you are constantly having to fix something after the fact, then that starts to hit everything else, and that's kind of what happened this summer. So, but again, that's proof it wasn't all bad as well, because if they're good at fixing it, that meant how they fix it wasn't awful. But it's like every two weeks you create a new problem, the next week you fix it. This, then the week after that you create a new problem. It's like, oh, it was too much <laughs> for me to keep up with. They're not like that anymore, which is... Now it's more of a type of thing where I'm just not really liking said stories that they're writing that much that's not a massive thing on terms of like it was over the summer like it was basic storytelling which was a massive issue and, and production which was a massive issue for WWE over the summer they've 100% improved from that but I said before I'd be lying though if I said they had improved to a standard where they are now undoubtedly really good because they are not at that point they are definitely improved but they're, they're they've then stopped making basic mistakes they're now just making slightly more complicated story type of stuff, which over time you can fix. And this one night Raw, when I get to it, was a fantastic example of a good step forward in that way. But yes, I take it for War Games. Enjoy the match. Kevin Owens' pop was great. 
the way it built throughout the entire match was great as well. Keith Lee again came off like a star. He got he and Ray Ripley are the two names really coming out of this. Even though Adam Cole and Pete Dunne had an amazing match at Survivor Series, Keith Lee, Ray Ripley, they're the two that have come out feeling like amazing kind of momentum. But Keith Lee did really well again in this War Games match. But the spot everybody will talk about is at the end, where Tommaso Ciampa. Hit, uh, I think it's called an air raid, where he kind of took the head underneath. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm, I'm miming it really well, <laughs> which is useless. <laughs> but at least at least I know I've mimed it correctly. Oh, yeah, so Tommaso Ciampa hit an air raid on Adam Cole from the top left of the corner of the cage through two tables. And it's like, if on replay, you do see that Tommaso Ciampa did an amazing job with that landing. It's protecting not just himself, but also Adam Cole like, as much as he could. Cause it's still a mental spot, no matter how much he kind of tries to protect. That's still a painful one. That's still a risky one. It was a crazy spot, and I'm kind of happy that did end the match. That's a modern day grievance of mine. It's why I really didn't like Adam Cole Johnny Gargano, where it felt like the match should have ended like a million times earlier. And for me, it just felt like uh, Superman Man of Steel. That's what it's called. Where it's Superman fighting Zod, and it's just loads of destruction going on. But it's kind of like, well, they they're not going to be able to end each other. That's the feeling it got. So whatever they did kind of felt pointless. So that's the feeling I got with Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. This match, it built and built and built. There were some like big moments, but it wasn't really the individual person kicking out of said big thing. It was somebody pushing them off or stopping the pin or something like that. Like the numbers of war games coming into play, uh, that really helped in the build of it. That meant when everybody was down and Tommaso Ciampa hit this crazy air raid <laughs> on Adam Cole, Adam Cole, you crazy person. I can't say the word I used on Twitter because I'm on YouTube now. But yeah, crazy. Uh, and it just went crashing through the tables and mental spot where everybody was talking about it immediately after. That is the spot that will be remembered after, like, in the future from that match. Like An insane spot. Yeah, Especially with the word of... Uh, like uh, Apparently, there were some people from the main roster kind of creative side saying, oh, could, could the Undisputed Era guys... Take it a little bit caref- more carefully because they've each got matches at Survivor Series and the response back was apparently, that's not how we do things. <laughs> and I think that message was sent, <laughs> really. Adam Cole taking that spot when he was set to steal the show at Survivor Series against Pete Dunne. He's like, oh, <laughs> crazy, crazy man. Uh, which does bring me to Survivor Series. Uh, she also show this week as I'm kind of barreling through. And again, I'm really, really busy. So this is pre-recorded and I'm putting it up when I can. But with Pete Dunne and Adam Cole, their match was like fantastic. It did a really good job of following a really hot match in the triple threat. So uh, I've gone into this pay view in detail. I just want to kind of pick up like a few things which kind of explain why why I enjoyed it so much. Uh, listen to listen to uh, LP Radio Aftershock for Survivor Series if you want my full thoughts on it. But uh, yeah, Pete Dunne and Adam Cole. A match which came after a triple threat where the crowd were really into it and it carried the energy from the opening women's Survivor Series match incredibly well. But uh, Pete Dunne and Adam Cole did something that you see quite a lot in New Japan where they'll slow down the pace, they'll slowly build it up. Uh, but in a, with the American style of wrestling, that kind of slowing down of the crowd going quiet, that kind of leads to criticism in a way because that's not really how wrestling's presented in America to start your match by slowing it down. But in terms of the tempo for a crowd, that is exactly what you need to do. And if you watch a Wrestle Kingdom and you watch that those four straight matches, which are normally like all five-star classics, 
Um, if you watch the show, you'll see at the start of them, it's kind of become a Japanese style where they slow it down right at the start, and that really gives the audience time to recover, and then they can slowly speed it up over the course of the match, and then the audience have enough energy to be really into it and white hot. That's why you don't get, like, you wouldn't put, a, in WWE, you wouldn't have a mental cruiserweight brawl followed by, a, I guess, like a Kenny Omega classic, but it's a Kenny Omega classic where they're pelting it from the very, very beginning, and then you follow that with another match, and then another one, like... Not every match can be that crazy because most of the audience won't be able to keep up. Hardcore wrestling fans, probably fine because you're just enjoying your wrestling. But most people, and I'd probably put myself, even though I'm a massive wrestling nerd, I would probably put myself in that bracket of people who probably don't have (laughs) the energy to really keep up at that level. So bringing it down and slowly building it back up gives the audience time to recover. And they were going crazy for Pete Dunne, Adam Cole by the end of it. Uh, absolutely incredible match the spots at the end really brought the whole arena to life and it was one hell of a showcase of an NXT championship match just like I was saying like Ray Ripley and Keith Lee got showcased in the Survivor Series matches respectively Uh, in this NXT this was really showcasing NXT championship matches itself in a way Uh, Adam Cole yeah he got a really strong reaction from it from winning that match same for Roderick Strong in the triple threat he felt like he was holding his own and belonged in there with AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura which is, yeah, like all the, apart from uh, Fish and O'Reilly on the pre-show where they didn't win, uh, the other two members of Undisputed Era came off as massive deals. So, yeah, well done with that, yeah. The Survivor Series matches themselves, I loved the women's match. Uh, there was, I was a little bit, it's one of those things where, yes, there was an odd booking thing, but in terms of the actual pacing of the match, I still enjoyed it regardless of the thing that made no sense <laughs> with uh, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, which A, ignores the way they're kind of coming back as like best friend, not best friends, but like strong allies for NXT. If you were watching NXT television, that contradicts just everything you know about that. But um, we're still not entirely sure what is canon in NXT in terms of the main roster. I'm not sure WWE know how canon to keep it, especially as it's well known that Vince doesn't watch it and if he's like the final word on all the storylines and things and all the angles and everything you see on television then it makes sense there will be a bit of an issue with like, everything definitely flowing canon wise but that aside that meant that the plan for Io Shirai and Candice LeRae was partway through the match they purposefully take their team down to a three person deficit so they were essentially on a three versus ten handicap match and that was and so that they could then return later and interfere when Rhea Ripley was like the last person in there, but that, that's a massive, that's a, some maverick tactic <laughs> to get to purposely take your team down to three and, and be at a massive handicap so that you can then return later. That's interesting <laughs> to say the least, and it wasn't really explained whether they were uh, actually back in the match or not whilst it was happening. Uh, the thinking was, and the way they were distracting the referee, and the way they played it off afterwards, the thinking was that they were no longer in the match. But it's still, like, as a tactic, because that's the way it was played on commentary as, oh, oh isn't this a like a bad tactic for them, the way they they were doing this all along? I reckon that was in plan the entire time. It's like, really? That's an awful plan. <laughs> There's so much risk in there. <laughs> it only works if Ray Ripley is the last person on your team uh, or she's in it only works if she's in the last two like where, especially when they left when it was like three versus five versus five so many other outcomes could happen at that point <laughs> so it's 
It's one of the things that makes sense if the plot is always set in stone. As in, if Rhea Ripley is guaranteed to always be in that spot, where you're looking at it from a sporting competition kind of way, that is not the case. But in ter- the only re- only way that the uh, Candice Array and the Shirai storyline works is if it is set in stone that Rhea Ripley is going to be the last person. So it's one of those things where it works if the plot is set in stone. It doesn't work when the plot isn't set in stone. So it feels like something where they knew the ending and then they kind of built back from there, but forgot that the ending shouldn't, when you're booking it, shouldn't be set in stone. It's an odd thing. Uh, I'm assuming they didn't think about it anywhere near as much as I did. It was just like a cool thing when they come back and it's a a shock thing where the momentum suddenly swings and Ray Ripley wins. That's not bad. It's just that it also made no sense (laughs) when you question it. But also, when I was watching the match, I didn't care. I just flat out enjoyed it from start to finish. Yes, I brought up the question, but that didn't stop my enjoyment. Because that's my measurement for WWE. Because over the summer, I did. I stopped watching for the second year in a row over the course of the summer. Now with WWE, my kind of bar is, am I enjoying it? I quite often... Yes, I'll criticise the continuity and things that don't really make sense when you think about it. But my main thing is, do I enjoy it? I don't really mind about other things. So a lot of the kind of critiques I see on Twitter. Personally, that's not an issue for me. The biggest issue is, do I enjoy the show? Did I enjoy the match? Uh, do I enjoy the flow of it all? Do I feel tired? Do I start tuning out? That kind of question. And with Survivor Series, nope, I didn't. From start to finish, enjoyed it. Brock Lesnar had a Brock Lesnar match. It wasn't any worse. It wasn't any better. It had an amazing spot, which I popped for so loudly <laughs> in my own home. At like, uh, I think it was like half past two when that match happened with the double 619. It was like, oh, that was so damn good. <laughs> I enjoyed that so much. Um, yeah, the uh, that, that popped the card amazingly and it popped me arguably even more. So that, that was great to see. Uh, but it was still a Brock Lesnar match, like same kind of patterns of his, what would be what would be deemed as good Brock Lesnar matches. It was another one of them. So it wasn't a bad match, it was just another Brock Lesnar match, which you've seen a lot. So if that is something that's turned you away, yes, the ma- I'd call the match good, I enjoyed it, I popped for it huge during it, but it's no different from half of the or any of the other Brock Lesnar versus Little Person match t- uh, title matches from this kind of past five years or so. So I think Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan—they're all matches I enjoyed, but arguably they're all very similar as well. So when you get to this point and you're kind of wanting change in WWE and this entire show, like it felt like they were trying to build new stars with Survivor Series. So Brock Lesnar kind of goes. The fact that Brock Lesnar is still in the same whilst he's on this pay-per-view, it's either an amazing kind of setup in a way of NXT kind of conditioning the viewer to want change and kind of expecting change to happen, whilst Brock Lesnar is doing the same old stuff he's been doing for half a decade with no change. They The two do contradict, and I'm, I don't know if they've done it on purpose. I don't think they have. But they can use it, and I've said before, WWE are really good at changing the course of something after the fact. This would be one of those things. They have made stars with NXT, and Brock Lesnar feels like a kind of... He's the latest relic of the past that is kind of stuck at the top, and nobody can break through. There is that feeling. that No matter what happens, even if he loses the championship at WrestleMania or SummerSlam, it doesn't matter. By the time we get to Saudi Arabia, he is champion again, no matter what. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I don't know uh, if NXT's kind of... If that was, I don't think it was done on purpose, because of course I'm not. I don't know if it's it's one of my it's my big conspiracy theory of there's a reason Brock Lesnar is champion every time they go to Saudi Arabia 
Like, there is a reason. <laughs> so, always it's either champion or in championship match. Almost every time. So, um, and there's a reason for that. That's my conspiracy theory. Crazy, do-do-do-do. Uh, but I do one of them. Yeah, so, really enjoyed Survivor Series. Awesome match. But to kind of end this week's show uh, with the kind of final ramblings, uh, Raw and NXT from this week, which round out the week, both of them really enjoyed it. So as I said, Raw was my least favourite show of last week because I didn't really feel like it. Like, it was fine. Didn't really feel like anything truly built to Survivor Series. Uh, and the parts that did just felt a little odd. Like, Lucha House Party? What an interesting one. And then the end ended on, like, a big brawl, but it was nothing compared to NXT or SmackDown, which did amazing... If you're looking at it as escalating throughout the course of the week, that means Raw is first, and therefore will feel the least fun. But it did do relatively well to set up NXT and SmackDown, but it didn't do that well in making me excited for Survivor Series. So, if you're weighing the show... <laughs> but this week, it, the tone was set incredibly... Like, I may not care for the Rusev Lashley stuff, but everything hit on this week's show. Like, even that one, where there was none of the soap opera stuff, which, which is primarily the thing I don't like. Uh, that It's not a it, the, just this storyline. I don't like it when they, do, when they ever do it. It's just a personal taste. I don't like that kind of writing. I find it... If it <laughs> I just realised me explaining that is not a quick thing, and I just want to blast through this. So maybe I'll save that topic for later, but... Yeah, I don't really care for the soap opera kind of stuff. But yeah, the tone was set so damn well with Seth Rollins conducting the town hall meeting to utter ruin uh, with characteristics we've already seen on Raw. So this was the other thing where if uh, over the course of summer, if WWE had an idea, it might be a cool idea, but it didn't necessarily click because you've just had the idea. That means you've not actually put anything in place for it to kind of happen and make sense and work. Um... The comparison I've used is in WWE, come the pay-per-view, anything could happen. Because continuity and kind of foreshadowing isn't as big a deal for WWE. They will do a shocking thing on the pay-per-view without the kind of without taking into consideration context, really, or what has happened to that point. Uh, quite often that's because they're like, well, that make it the most shocking thing that could happen. Which is also true. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Because there is no foreshadowing, and sometimes if you you need that for it to make sense. Hell, AEW this week was a fantastic example of that, with the debut of uh, Blade and Butcher, which, as an Englishman, seeing somebody with a massive moustache and a monocle, yes. <laughs> yeah, all the yes. Also, that is, uh, it's a, I really didn't re recognise, uh, I think it's Braxton Sutter, from, uh, I recognise him from Impact slash TNA. Uh, I think he's married to Ali. And I didn't recognise him, like, for ages, and as soon as Ali came out, I was like, oh, crap. Uh, my point being, <laughs> that's a massive, massive tangent, uh, the point being when they debuted, it was sudden, it was surprising, but we'd had no setup, we had no idea who these people were. Again, it took me right until the end for me to even realise who the first guy came out was, like um, with uh, Excalibur going, it's Blade, and Jim Ross like, I've, how do you know who these people are? I have no idea. And the rest of the crowd was reacting kind of similarly to Jim Ross. So, it's that same thing. I'm criti I criticised WWE for it from this past little while, where if you've not dropped kind of hints that something might happen, uh, it's one of the things which does make sense when you look at it, where uh, Brandy Rhodes uh, with Awesome Kong cut Ali's hair, I think it was at Full Gear, or on Dark, or one of them, can't remember which one, it was recently. We've not seen Ali since, then when we next see Ali, she's brought her two hosses, and they're attacking Cody. It's like, oh, so it does link, it does make sense, but 
it wasn't actually hinted at that that would happen. <laughs> so it's yeah, it felt a bit jarring to happen compared to the Seth Rollins thing, where yes, this is massively different because it is a kind of character trait which they had included, but over the summer, character traits were kind of uh, like on a storyline basis switching in and out. Uh, Seth Rollins is showing that he's moving from one storyline to the next and its characteristics we've already seen are now really coming into play. My prime example is when Seth Rollins was, I think he challenged Humberto's Carrillo and he was talking about like being the champion that Monday Night Raw needs. And by, fast forward to the show Monday Night Raw, that he's still saying the exact same stuff, which is why I saw like, uh, most people on Twitter saying this is flat out a heel turn. And I'm like, yeah, I know this is WWE. I know the way that they write is it's flat out heel turns or... But the thing, if you get a tweener, it's a blatant tweener. It's not a questioning kind of thing because it's a character with complex stuff. It's like, no, it's very black and white where pe- the pieces fall on the board. But this Seth Rollins thing, because they'd done the back work, because they'd already put that thing in place with his character where he's truly doing what he believes is what Monday Night Raw needs, that person at the top to carry the brand, the locker room leader, he is kind of playing that role. And I, I said at the time, like, I love the story of... Seth Rollins believing he is doing that when in reality he's just coming across as a bit of a prick. And that's the exact insult that Kevin Owens used <laughs> on Monday Night Raw this week. Yes, I did pop for it when he said it. Uh, yes, I didn't know until I went back and read my notes that I'd said that that, that was actually the terminology I'd used. Uh, I got a second like after pop <laughs> for me. But it's uh, it's like I, I said it because I did truly believe it and now I've seen it on Monday Night Raw. I believe it even more. Just the fact that he instilled those characteristics, then you had the build for the Survivor Series, then the characteristics that are still there suddenly come into play and they kind of overblow. And with the, I guess, the tension that was surrounding Monday Night Raw from losing a Survivor Series, it made sense that Seth Rollins, with those characteristics, might then kind of go way over the top. And that's why I didn't really see it as a flat-out heel turn when... It's WWE, there's a likely chance it just was. However... Like personally, for me, I saw it as a more complex thing. Of uh, he technically he hasn't he hasn't really done like a full turn. It's probably it's more most realistically a slow turn, which WWE have also done. Like eventually, he'll just slot into this is a bad guy, but he's transitioning from good guy to bad guy, and they're showing you how it is happening rather than just one night he does a turn. It's like yes, I like that. <laughs> Plus, that means I, when I was watching the night more, like a lot of people, they saw it as a heel turn. I didn't. I saw these as the exact same characteristics he was showing, just this time with the tensions high and everything, he was crossing the line. That he still truly believed he was doing what is great for Monday Night Raw, what is needed, being the locker room leader. And it just obviously didn't work. <laughs> he did not deal with it really, really well. He went after after Rey Mysterio's son, which for a lot of people that cemented the heel turn. For me, that still fed into the exact same thing. If he strongly believes that he is doing what is best for Monday Night Raw then he would go over after the person no matter if they're a heel or a babyface. Which he did do. He went after two, whatever Randy Orton is now, <laughs> Charlotte Flair, whatever she is now as well. <laughs> Raymond Steele is a flat-out babyface. It's like, yeah, I I really, really enjoyed that. And then, of course, they built two Kevin Owens at the end of the show. Uh, they did have a few squash matches where I was like, oh, well, this is kind of a little bit, uh, but I'm assuming it's going to build. And it did. And we got to uh, Kevin Owens versus uh, Seth Rollins at the end of the show, which was a relatively fun match. Got interrupted by AOP, which again kind of set something up. And again, I'm thinking, oh, it would make all the sense in the world for either a JJ security to, or it's Seth Rollins being like, we're going to do another shield because we need to protect 
WWE and Night Raw and all of that. So, yeah, generally really enjoyed Monday Night Raw, like, which is took me by surprise. As I was really positive going into the weekend, but I also knew Monday Night Raw was my weak link from last week. This week, no, solid, loved it. Especially, it's one of the big things for me is continuity in terms of like character arts getting invested in characters. Can you do it? Because there's, there's too much change. Like no, everything this week flowed from something that had been set up. Even if it's recently with the built-in Survivor series, or if it's a little bit before, like I was saying, Seth Rollins. Yeah, like nothing but positives. Uh, because even the critiques for me didn't bring the show down, which is like which is the same case for NXT. Even the critiques for I had for NXT were quite often in the middle, kind of died down a little bit. It was a lot more kind of a lower kind of amount of crazy than we'd seen recently for NXT, but that made all the sense in the world because you probably shouldn't be going at the tempo they were going into Survivor Series. Just, like, just bring it down a bit, make it uh, make the tempo a bit more realistic to continue long term. Uh, and yeah, that just meant there was a little bit the as I called it like the top of the second hour kind of lull kind of came back, but it's not a, not anything to put down the show. It was another really, really solid show, which took what happened at Survivor Series and then used that to set up the next thing, whilst also making it feel like it's a straight line that continues without it being like super kind of jarring or whatever. They did a really good job. So, well done. <laughs> well done, WWE, for a full, solid week of enjoyment from like start to finish. That, that really caught me... It caught me off guard. I realised it when I was writing my stuff at NXT for the column on Saturday. That's when it dawned on me. It's like, wait a minute. I've enjoyed every single WWE product this week, and there's been five. <laughs> there's been a lot of hours. So I should be absolutely knackered, but instead I'm just really positive about everything, which is an odd feeling for me in WWE because of my recent troubles. Like I've been feeling it with other promotions, so it's not an alien thing for me with wrestling. But with WWE, it feels nice to write something positive and be happy in things and to also see that the likelihood is that means your clicks are going down the toilet and because <laughs> you negative negativity gets clicks but no that's kind of where it leads me back to the start of what I was saying where the kind of way that you do write attracts that kind of audience and for me this week like I don't know if I'm truly sensing it on Twitter but with me personally I feel really positive about wrestling because I flat out enjoyed every show now, for over a week, because you've got to include NXT and uh, AEW from the week before. I've just flat out enjoyed everything, which is such a nice feeling. <laughs> it's a feeling I normally associate with New Japan, because they're like, right up my street. It's, it's, yeah, nothing but positives about this past week. And that's somebody who has become, I guess you could call it disillusioned, because again, two years in a row I've stopped watching for the entirety of the summer. That's not somebody who's like really into WWE. That's somebody who is teetering and being like the fandoms being tested and they have given up and then come back to try it that kind of thing so yeah sorry my voice is going weird at the end a little bit it is quite dry and my rice high has decided to uh, end the water so that's nice <laughs> it's a good thing i finished my notes because <laughs> i couldn't be able to read any of them uh, anyway this is gonna bring me to the end of this show like half the length of it normally i think i've explained before but i wouldn't mind testing out like this kind of length now that we are on youtube especially as early in the day uh, I think actually today it's probably going to be I'll do my best to get Dynamite After Dark up before this one I'm recording this before I've done any editing for it but uh, I'll be like doing like a string of them hopefully get everything up but yeah you've got Dynamite After Dark and then you've got my show as well if my show's getting close to two hours then you've also got Dynamite After Dark it's way too much content in one day trim this down maybe keep it 45 minutes then listen to uh, Jan and Jeff for Dynamite After Dark as well 
Anyway, <laughs> my eye's going crazy. This is insane. Uh, thank you for listening to all of this. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. You can check up my column uh, on Laws of Pain. It's cartoon me, which you probably see on the image as well as you're watching this on YouTube or on podcast or whatever. Uh, but yeah, read my column. Uh, a lot of effort goes into it. Uh, but please do check out the other shows here on Laws of Pain Radio. As I said, Dynamite After Dark should already be up on... It is already up on speaker as I'm recording this. It'll be up on YouTube hopefully before. Uh, Fridays is the right side of the pond with Mav, Plan and Mazza. We're doing the kind of debunking the new gen. Uh, Saturdays is reserved for all our, our All Elite stuff whenever there's something to cover. Uh, Mondays is Kingdom of Honor with Jan Man and Jeff talking Ring of Honor, CMLL, New, no, they do, they do, uh, new Japan Zoe and uh, MLW, that's the one. Uh, Tuesdays, Global Revolution, whenever they come back from their hiatus, just a mini one. Uh, and Wednesdays is planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, uh, covering a match in great detail with guests that rotate fortnightly. This week, it's Miss Fan, coincidentally, from Global Revolution and of Legacy Series fame. Reviewing a match from Ring of Honor in 2005. As I said, they've done like Hogan, they've done uh, New Japan, they've done Progress Wrestling. Now doing Ring of Honor in 2005. All over the place. <laughs> and next Thursday, it's me. I am back. With this one, I am. Um, I've already said to it as well, but starting in December, I'm going to be going Wrestle Kingdom crazy. Uh, I've got to slip in the end of year awards at some point. No idea when I'm doing that. I'll try my best to figure it out. But it'll be Wrestle Kingdom crazy all the way to Wrestle Kingdom itself, and myself, Jamal, and Jeff will be going live after both shows. So I think you might have one or two weeks left of normal me just talking about stuff. But after that, no. Going crazy <laughs> with New Japan stuff. So, look forward to that, I guess. Oh, my nose. <laughs> this is mental. <laughs> right, it's time to sign off, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. I'm losing my... It's like my brain's leaking out. <laughs> right, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Hey.